Spring, 1997, Arizona. A parent's search for their daughter weakens. An officer slides another file among the cold cases at police headquarters. The file reads, Christina Marie Martinez. New Orleans, a man and his young wife traipse through the famed historic graveyards of the French Quarter. A photographer by trade, the man photographs his young wife in the rich setting. Back in Vegas, she's a backup singer and dancer in a casino band. But here among the verdant, decrepit graves, she was his model. A black-clad goth of Billy Beauty, juxtaposed atop the aged, cement-capped mausoleums. These would be among the last photos ever taken of Ginger Rios. <laughs> I'm great. I am here with Jody McGregor, my mother. Say hi to my mother, everybody, right now. Wherever you're listening, just say the word hi. And thank you all for listening, by the way. We have a very interesting, very true story, thematically accurate, would you say, a true crime story? It is true crime. In which you, were, uh, you had a very close part, not to uh, I was you on the periphery, but in the mix at the same time. That's a good way to put it. And again, picking up this thought where I had expressed how we often listen to the news or watch the news and the neighbors say, yeah, he was just a regular guy. Well, I was put to the test at one period of my life where I had to question whether I really knew somebody, my significant other. And I had doubts and I really believed for some time that this person might have been a murderer. And just to say... I have been proven wrong and proven right in that supposition. So what I love about hearing the story from this perspective is you are adding a whole new storyline to this, a whole new story arc that makes it so much better, which makes you think how many stories, how many true crime stories out there have some sort of peripheral storyline that's just as riveting to listen to. Let's set the backdrop of the story, uh, to use a term that you're familiar with, being an artist, Career artist for how many years? Career artist for about 40 years. And you studied in France? Yes. That's where you, you're the capstone of your uh, tutelage as right. a young artist. The best decision I ever made career-wise was to go and study art history. You were a young single mother? Yes. But yes, I had been living in France for some years. When I had first gone over there, I met a young Frenchman with whom I began corresponding. And for the remainder of the story, he shall be known as the Frenchman. The Frenchman. Character one. A young, very attractive Frenchman. We got along famously. I had spent a full summer in France where I met him. We corresponded by snail mail. This is before the internet. For at least two years. And then I was in a position where I could move back there. And I took my oldest son with me, and I moved to France. Ben. Benjamin, yes. Of course, he had invited me to stay at his place. And by this time, we were romantically involved. 
and I lived there about three years and built up a great portfolio, had a lot of work in France. It was in France that I started doing the large scale. I was exposed to trompe l'oeil in France, which means trick of the eye. It's you did a couple three-dimensional. I did a couple quite a number of those. Yes, the salon, I did some storefronts. Which featured my sister as a bust. Do you think it's still there? Probably. I, I visited it about Let's 15 it years later. Maps. We should. We should look it That's up on Google That's a great idea. So she I did a storefront. I have visited those. you got to keep in mind, tagging is huge everywhere in France. And I ex fully expected all of these murals I had done on the exteriors of buildings to be tagged beyond recognition. And I was pleasantly surprised that not a single one had any tagging on it. And I think it was because people respected what it's I had done. It's already been tagged. I and tagged. Yours, yeah, yours was my the tag. alpha tag. The, my, I was the alpha tag. Because we all know how it works. <laughs> you know, they, they, they yield to the alpha they, tag at all yeah, times. They all right, this one's me. better than whatever I could write on it. So, yes, they, they were undisturbed. And I was very pleasantly surprised about that. I essentially got my boost to my career. So that's a in good way France. to start a career. Yes. A very. Uh, well, what happened, and I don't want to digress too much, was I did enough in France to build a great portfolio so that when I came back to the States, which I did reluctantly, but I, I needed to come home. My mother had breast cancer and she didn't look too good for her prognosis. Life and I calls. thought it was time to yeah. come home. But I came home with a great portfolio, and it's funny, the psychology that people have, French. they see all these yeah. works that I did in France, and they say to themselves, well, she worked in France, she studied in France, she must be good. They start Googling <laughs> French words. Do they have Google at this time? I guess. You know, and it's just geography. I could have done those same pieces anywhere in the United States, but people tell themselves, well, she worked She's in France. She's culturally diverse. She in France. Rich so, in culture and experience. It's funny, but that was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my career, was just that the French connection. The French connection. The French connection was the best thing I ever did, career-wise. What was the French connection about that film? Uh, some crime drama. Yeah. Drugs or something. I remember thinking it was an independent, a a foreign independent film for the longest Popeye time. Popeye Doyle with Gene Hackman. So <laughs> I had been living in France. By this time, I had been with this Frenchman for several years. He decided, you know, life in America, the streets are paved with gold, right? Everybody knows yeah. it. It's the, yeah, the, the land of... Dreams come true. Yep, the, the land, land of, of dreams. and honey. Mm-hmm. And he decided he wanted to come over with me. So I helped him to get his papers. We visited the consulate in Paris. Uh, I agreed to sponsor him as an employer. I had uh, enough oh, yeah, money in papers. the bank. You got to do your due diligence. And I was the owner of a business, and I agreed to essentially give him work that would not take work away from the average American because it was specialized. Yeah. So that aided things a lot in getting him over. We essentially came to southern Utah, to St. George, where my parents were. Of course, my mother was sick, and I wanted to be close to her. And after about nine or ten months in St. George, people began to be aware of me and what I did. And I had an artist 
who did a lot of high-end work for casinos and casino owners. He knew about my work and he asked me if I would be willing to come and work with him in Las Vegas. And I said, by all means. I moved to Las Vegas and of course the Frenchman came with me. Mm-hmm. 1997, I felt like I was fully engaged in the life of Las Vegas. I was working yeah. a lot, starting to know people. I remember thinking that because you worked for the same people that owned the casinos that entertainers were. when i went when i arrived in las vegas man i hit the ground running yeah i you, was I fully into the casino commissions and doing work in the homes of casino owners such as the fertitas who own all of the station casinos if one little anecdote can describe me in las vegas not very many people actually knew my name but they knew me as the artist. And I was actually on VIP lists, like for Studio 54, the bouncers and the security people there. I would say, yeah, I'm the artist. And I was on the list and I was led into the VIP lounges. Character number two, (laughs) the artist. So getting back to my story, let me tell you, moving to another country, somebody that feels like a fish out of water. I always thought that that maybe was exaggerated, that that didn't really happen to stable, normal people. Boy, does it ever. So we arrive in America, and from about the time that his feet touched American soil, his personality changed. I attribute it to several factors. I think As a man, he felt emasculated in a sense because suddenly he's in this country where he doesn't speak the language. He didn't, he maybe spoke a few phrases of English. So I didn't realize it at the time, but I understand now that he pretty much felt emasculated because I had to do all this talking for him. I was his boss all of a sudden. He didn't work for me in France. Being in Las Vegas, of all places, I mean, maybe it would have been different landing in some place like Boise, Idaho. But landing in Las Vegas, all of a sudden he got, he got caught up in seeing and being seen. He, so he was kind of used to a somewhat bucolic lifestyle Very back provincial. Home. Oh yeah, that, so that he was thinking in Vegas, he was thinking, well, there must be had, more than this provincial life. He, he had grown up in Paris, but for years had been living in Provence. In the south of France. Yeah, you know, okay. A quiet life. So he had fresh so, eggs every morning from the... Well, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, but, okay. Um, so here he is in Las Vegas surrounded by celebrities. In fact, just to give you one little anecdote, I found out that he had gone out and was being seen at a very popular gay club. Now, he's not gay. He just liked to be seen. And uh, I, <laughs> he would dress in these very tight shirts that would show off his musculature. And that's why I, I asked him about it. I confronted him. Well, yes. Be- I, that's I said, narcissism I said, are you behavior. secretly gay? Because so-and-so saw you at the gypsy. The more. Know, the gay club. Doesn't matter the source. Well, and he told me. Like, he says, I'm going to see me the best. He says, they love me. I get a kick out of all the attention Mm -hmm. I get there. They're just climbing all over me. Everybody wants to know who I am, especially because I have an accent. I said climb and they claim. (laughs) So 
Yes, there was a huge change to the personality. All of a sudden, I was with this person that I didn't know anymore. It wasn't the sweet, self-effacing, humble little Frenchman. Yeah, it, it wasn't was, Wesley, as you wish. It was husband. a it was, society ladder-climbing, celebrity-seeking, narcissistic asshole. <laughs> All of a sudden, is who I found myself with. Huh. It reached... A point where we decided to take a separation, and he moved out and got a room. I mean, keep in mind, he could barely even speak any English still, but he got a room at the Santa Fe Hotel, which was close to the house that I was renting. So here he'd been out of the house a couple of weeks. I happened to be home one day, about five o'clock in the afternoon, the doorbell rings. I open the door, and there are two gentlemen standing on the threshold. Mm -hmm. One looks to be about 34, 35 years old, had a little goatee, kind of a big face. The other gentleman was... Wait, when you say big face, do you mean big face? Kind of long. Okay. Relative to his body or just big face? I just remember thinking, this man has a long face. And then the other gentleman looked to be about a generation older maybe in his mid-50s. Well, they identified themselves as Mark and George, and I invited them in, and they looked um, ill at ease and sad and disturbed, and I knew that they weren't salesmen. At first, I thought, well, they're they're not looking for me. They're looking for the artist. (laughs) They were, in fact, looking for me. And you know what's funny is, like, after all this time, I don't know how they found me. I mean, I never really associated myself with the Frenchman's name. Everything was under my name. Well, if they did already have somebody on the Frenchman, maybe they saw him interact with you at some point and had, and then... Or he must have had some paperwork that only policemen could access that had my address on it. And it is, That's what I'm guessing. And let's not exaggerate the use of that type of help, because this is still the, I guess, late 90s, when... The technology didn't exist that does now, where you can just track somebody easy peasy. Internet was... People would still use... They would still hire private detectives to just, like, find out where somebody lives. To put things in context, internet for domestic use, like PCs, came out in about 1995, 96. I got my first home computer... You had to use that computer so much, I remember, for your job. It was right before Lady Diana, Princess Diana died. That's when I got my first computer. That was my first browsing while you were gone away for work. Well, somebody, you you boys didn't know that I could check history. Benjamin was the, because he he collected the little things they hand out on the streets and had a baseball card. uh, Yeah, a baseball card collection uh, binder. But instead of baseball cards, it's the the girls with the stars on their boobs, the yellow stars on their boobs. I'll never forget. (laughs) But I I would Google fart sounds, um, weird shit like that. That was a great time to live in. It, it really was. I remember really, watching yes, Mystery Science Theater on uh, 3000 was on very regularly in, on Comedy Central still. And Kids in the Hall, uh, that stuff saved my life because it was boring to be the 12-year-old living in Las Vegas. So these two gentlemen arrived, and I could just tell that they were distraught. So I invited them in, and we sat around my dining room table, and... They proceeded to tell me that they were looking for their missing 
wife, daughter. Her name was Ginger, Ginger Rios. And George pulled out a picture of his wallet. A glossy. This is another thing that's changed since the Internet. Men used to carry, well, people used to carry actual photos in their wallet. Now they just pull out a phone. No wonder everybody has cystic fibrosis and, and question mark backs at right, this age right. from that generation. Those wallets, have, they had to be like bricks. So the girl's father shows me this photo of his daughter. She was beautiful. I yeah, mean, long, young, raven black yeah. hair, gorgeous. I mean, she looked like a Hollywood starlet. She looked like a classic Hollywood 40s era, but 50s yes, era. Yeah, but, kind uh, of a know, that vintage. Yeah. yeah That's like why I like the term that I made up in the intro, Gothabilly. Gothic, Gothic and Rockabilly. Gothabilly. That's yeah. a great word. I guess I could have just called her Hollywood. I don't know. Um, yeah, I like she, to make up words. I'm just going to submit that and see what they say. She had that old times starlet look. Yeah. And I, I think she was only, you know, there was quite an age gap between herself and her husband. She was only about 20, 21, and he was 34. I never did ask him how they got together, but, you know, I can, I've heard this story many times. So I imagine he hired her as a model and they fell in love. Vegas is, even though it's a, a well-known city, it's not that big uh, by any means, but uh, she's going to try to get work any way she can, you know. Right. Off, she was side, a dancer. Yeah. And I think she sang. She interestingly sometimes she did both at the same time. Yeah. Was, uh, uh, interestingly enough, Vegas. Um, her name, her last name is Rios, and she worked at the Rio. And she, she's like, I'm heading right. And I and I remember her dad telling me that he said she was kind of campaigning to have a, a contest like Miss Rio of the Rio Casino and Hotel, and who better than Ginger Rios? She could become their mascot. Right. Upstairs. Right. Leading but lady. just beautiful and listening to her father, a very sweet, sweet girl. Mm -hmm. Ambitious. So here I am puzzling. Why were they asking me about the whereabouts of their daughter? Well, they come to tell me that the, they found out from the police's investigation that um, they suspected that she met a Frenchman who was staying at a nearby hotel or somewhere in Las Vegas, that had been that had met her at her work and romanced her and was had talked her into They became amorous? They became amorous and they suspected that he had either killed her or had hidden her away with the intention of helping her leave the country and leave her husband. Well, so I asked the word the the particulars of her disappearance. And here's the story that as I received it from her husband. A few days earlier, this would have been around April of 1997, Mark and Ginger got into his car and went into Mark a store. Mark the husband the and Mark Collinger. The professional photographer. And Mark and Ginger were struggling with money. They were deeply in debt. They had, they had leased a house with an option to buy, but they really wanted to buy a house. And they wanted to clean up their debt, clean up their, uh, improve their credit, and 
uh, get out of this debt that was just strangling to them. I'm sorry, this is the dad telling you this? No, this is the husband. The husband is telling you on that first visit? On the first visit. So, so this was a lengthy visit. According to Mark, Mark and Ginger had gotten into his car. She had told him about this bookstore. It was more than a bookstore, if, if I recall correctly. It was a store that sold all kinds of novelty things. Well, novelty is not really the right word. Gadgets that you could use like little hidden spy cameras, a button cam. The thing I remember more about the store, she had gone there to look for a book, but I remember his description of the store as you can buy these hard to find spy items like a ballpoint pen that has a tiny little camera hidden in it. Things, uh, little microphones that you can secrete into the lapel of a jacket. Secrete? Secrete. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to secrete away somewhere special. Related to the word secret. I'm going to secrete into that sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> it was the reason that, according to Mark, the husband, the reason that they went to this store was their debt was had gotten to a point where they seriously considered forming an alias and starting a new identity through an alias and building up a new credit from this fictitious personality and starting over and apparently I miss stories like that yes <laughs> Well, she was confident she had seen or heard of a book that was in there that would give step-by-step -step instructions on how to change your identity and start over as a new person, which makes this more intriguing because she goes into the Spycraft store. That was the name of the that store? That was the name of the yeah. store, Spycraft, with this the intention. Was a, this was uh, April 1997. With the intention, nowadays you can probably Google all this well, information. That's what I'm it's one of these books that tells you step by step, you know, find a deceased person that was right around your age that died as a child, old enough to have a social security number, but not old enough to ever get a driver's license and things like that. That's the sweet spot. Well, now know. I'm thinking about it. You, you, take, you take that person's name, you say all your records were lost in a fire, you write to the Social Security Administration, you give them the information. Yeah, you schmooze the old lady you working the desk the old lady. with some brownies. And they send you a new birth certificate, a new Social Security card. They oblige you? They oblige easily? you. Well, they used to. I'm sure there are more safeguards now, but oh, it now used it's... to be that easy. She went in there, according to Mark, to look for such a book. Like, how can we... Just change our names, or maybe not outright change their lives completely, but maybe build on a double identity, a double yeah. life, to something get some to, credit somewhere. Something to feed her growing uh, need for escape well, from something. Or? Right. All of the signs pointed to the fact that she was wanting to escape her life in some way. I mean, she's uh, she's having encounters with strange men. She's thinking differently. Oh, yes. For some reason. In fact, and I don't want to get out of my timeline here, 
that she had taken off her wedding ring and given it to the Frenchman, the wedding ring that Mark Hollinger, her husband, had given to her. He had it in his possession when I talked to him about it. That's so, something I'd never told you before because I just remembered that. Let me get back to the spy craft. She goes in there. He's out in front of the store. And I can picture the store because sometime shortly after this initial visit, Mark invited me down to the store to show me the trail that she had gone on to show me where she had disappeared. The parking I lot. I went down Made in that same car, sat in her seat, oh my and God. went and parked at the same spot. He was parked so that the back of his car was facing the store, and he had been watching for her in the rearview mirror. He wasn't facing the store and looking for her out the windshield. He had his back to her, and he was watching for her out the rear view. You were Ginger Rios. I was. For a moment in time. That's pretty up close and personal to the story. Well, I, I feel like I really situation. have a taste of everything that happened. So, it's, well, okay, my curiosity was piqued, but my impetus at the time was finding out if this Frenchman was really somebody that I had no clue about. So you, you're invested in it. Certainly, I was just invested of, just because of his involvement. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened that day. She goes in and she's gone 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour. He's out smoking in the car or the, looking the in the room. Yes. Yeah, and this is the day of the disappearance. She, you, you, like all of us, you know, you reach a point where you lose patience and you have to go investigate. So he turns the car off, gets out, goes into the store. He walks in. And it's a store where there's only one main entrance. There's a little service entrance out the back for deliveries or whatever. Little store, just yeah. a little. So he he walked in and he encountered the owner. He didn't know at the time it was the owner. It was some clerk behind the counter. And he says, excuse me, I'm looking for my wife. She came in here about 20 minutes ago. Have you seen her? Yeah, she was only in here for a few minutes, but she left. Well, where did she leave? She must, I wasn't watching. She, maybe she went out the back. So he goes out the back, looks around, no sign of her. No sign at all. After a couple of hours where he has scoured the neighborhood on what foot and in his car. Put yourself in his situation in that moment. Well, Somebody... she had taken her wallet in the car where she had left her purse. But... In I guess I, here's a question I'll ask you. At this point, did he ever convey to you the temperature of their relationship oh, this yeah. day? Yeah. Were they it solid? It was strained. No, it was strained. They were having problems, which was worrisome for him because, of course, the husband always did it, according to the police. That's the first one they ask. Right. That's the first one they got. Well, so he, what discredited him, what dismissed him? Here's a guy who's trying to make it as a photographer who's got this young, voluptuous, starlet wife who probably liked to spend money to keep herself Oh, yeah. She's got a compatible. So she disappeared, just never to be seen again. She yeah. just, she walked in the store and never reappeared. And he had gone in there several times. By this time, was frantic. So he finally went over to his father-in-law's house. That's told what, probably them, what I would have done. Ginger's missing. I can't find her. 
they both go down to back down to the store and they both go in together and confront the owner who again claims he doesn't know anything about it and this they repeated for the next couple of days in fact it was either the next day or the day after they both happened to go down there again i think it was two days after and the owner George, and, his, George and yeah george and mark had gone down there no sign of her which leads to my involvement through their investigation and with the help of the police they tracked her whereabouts the way that they did this was they reviewed all the security cameras from her place of employment the rio casino and hotel and they noticed that she was more often than not in the company of this gentleman and apparently he had had a room a time or two when he had met her he had gotten a room at the rio because they could track him down the hall and entering a certain room they track the room records they got his name they know his identity now they know that he's a frenchman been in the states maybe a year and a half and they got my address and my name Somehow, somehow through that association in that classic well, I, 1990s because i helped to sponsor him for his green card of course oh, they got yeah. my information yeah, i got the police yeah. they had gone through her purse that she'd left in the car and in that purse they found some currency from venezuela second. with this a phone number second. on it so this is like random fact random or facts. Clue. yes i guess the only reason they are significant is because it's so bizarre yes this Frenchman had a bunch of Venezuelan currency because one of his best friends, Maï, did you ever meet Maï? I, I actually yes, painted Maï. Yes, I remember him. Yeah, Maï. He was the penis I'm, painter. Was he the penis painter or he was the younger friend? Friend he was of the, the penis painter, but I'd forgotten. He'd done. He was a painter, yeah. So he was an artist. Maï was the penis painter. Yeah, I'd you, forgotten he did penis. You walk into his home gallery. Oh, or that's his, right. You walked into his studio. I'd forgotten that. And there's easel upon easel of just penises. I'd forgotten that. I guess it stayed in your mind. Sizes and mediums. <laughs> and Well, who's who wouldn't remember right, that? That's right, weird. Right. That is not something that happens to right. somebody every day. So Mai had been had moved to Venezuela, and, and he had come to visit. And he had given the Frenchman a bunch of currency, trying to incite him to come and visit in Venezuela, come eventually to move yeah. there and start over. So this Frenchman had a bunch of Venezuelan currency, and apparently at some point in the, his involvement with Ginger, he had taken out this Venezuelan currency with a flourish and scribbled his cell phone number on it <laughs> steal away with me yes my young well they found that in her it. purse which was an added and they connected it this the cell phone number with this frenchman and in fact in one of the newspaper articles at the time it said that they they based their hypothesis that she had run away by the fact that she had recently met some friends with international connections so the French connection has been upgraded now to international connection. They were 
They were hiding out in Venezuela, and oh, of course they knew he was still in town, but they, they figured he'd either killed her or had, he was hiding her somewhere, and they were changing their identities and moving to Venezuela. Getting out of Dodge, so to speak. And plus the fact that her wedding ring, you know, of course they didn't know it was missing at the time, but turned out later it was. Yeah. As far as the husband and the father and all, the, the, the guy that killed her could have kept it and, got, and pawned it or sold it. I don't think I ever told them. I don't think I did. I don't, because it was a little later on that I found out that he actually, he showed it to me. The Frenchman showed me her wedding ring. At that point, it was just yet another straw. So after this initial visit, I couldn't wait to get on the phone or get in the car. I can't recall now, which I did. I think I called him. Yeah. Guess who just came to see me? What are you? I'm, I was in the neighborhood. And his, I'm his, Reaction was, well, we should get together. I don't want to talk about this all over the phone, which, you know, what do you think when somebody says, we can't discuss this on the phone? They have something to hide. So I met with him. and He He knew you knew? He knew that I knew he'd been seeing her because I said, you're on security camera and everything. So he knew he couldn't deny it, which at point he almost started bragging. Oh, she gave me her wedding ring. She this and that. Oh, she loved me. And I think he said a time or two that he he found it funny all of the attention he was getting from the police and the interviews and the husband and the father and he knew people were following him and he was eating it up. He was he was having a heyday. So he was just being, he was just out there being French and like loving it. He was loving it, loved the attention. But meanwhile, I was really starting to wonder. Everything pointed to him. Do I really know this guy? Have I been living (coughs) with and working with a murderer? The Santa Fe Hotel, the foreign currency, the wedding ring, spycraft. What will it all add up to? Find out on part two next week on Look.